chapter eight of our friend the charlatan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. our friend the charlatan by george gissing chapter eight under the roof at rivenoak was an attic which no one ever entered the last person who had done so was sir quentin ogram on a certain day in eighteen hundred and something the baronet locked the door and put key into his pocket and during the more than forty years since elapsed the room had remained shut it guarded neither treasure nor dire secret the hidden contents were merely certain essays in the art of sculpture sundry shapes in clay and in marble the work of sir quentin himself when a very young man only one of these efforts had an abiding interest it was a marble bust representing a girl or young woman of remarkable beauty the head proudly poised the eyes disdainfully direct on the lips a smile which seemed to challenge the world's opinion not a refined or nobly suggestive face but stamped with character alive with vehement self-consciousness a face to admire at a distance not without misgiving as one pictured the flesh and blood original young quentin had made a fine portrait the model was his mistress and soon after the bust was finished she became his wife naturally sir spencer and lady ogram were not bidden to the wedding in fact they knew nothing about it until a couple of years after when on the birth to him of a son and heir quentin took his courage in both hands and went down to rivenoak to make the confession he avowed somewhat less than the truth finding it quite task enough to mitigate the circumstances of mrs ogram's birth and breeding the exhibition of a portrait paved his way this superbly handsome creature adorned as became her present and prospective station assuredly gave no shock at the first glance by some freak of fate she had for parents a plumber and a washerwoman poor but very honest people was quentin's paraphrase their poverty of late considerably relieved by the thoughtful son-in-law and their honesty perhaps fortified at the same time arabella the beauty's baptismal name unfortunately had two brothers sisters most happily none the brothers however were of a roaming disposition and probably would tend to a colonial life quentin had counselled it with persuasions which touched their sense of the fitting so here was the case stated sir spencer and his lady had but to reflect upon it with what private conjectures might chance to enter their minds quentin was an only child he had provided already for the continuance of the house being of mild disposition the baronet bowed his head to destiny and after a moderate interval arabella crossed the threshold of rivenoak of course there were one or two friends of quentin's who knew all the facts of the case these comrades he saw no more having promised his wife never again to acknowledge or hold any intercourse with them with his bachelor life had ended the artistic aspirations to which he had been wont to declare that he should forever devote himself 
mrs ogram she had been for a year or two a professional model objected to that ungentlemanly pursuit with much more vigour and efficacy than the young man's parents who had merely regretted that quentin should waste his time and associate with a class of persons not regarded as worthy of much respect whether the dismissed cronies would talk or keep silence who could say sir spencer affected to believe that arabella when his son came to know her was leading the life of a harmless necessary seamstress and that only by long entreaty and under every condition of decorum had she been induced to sit for her bust to the enthusiastic sculptor very touching was the story of how when the artist became a adorer and offered marriage dear arabella would not hear of such a thing how when her heart began to soften she one day burst into tears and implored mr ogram to prove his love not by wildly impossible sacrifice but simply by sending her to school so that she might make herself less unworthy to think of him with pathetic devotion and from a great distance to the end of her days to school in very deed she had been sent that is to say she had all manner of teachers first in england and then abroad during the couple of years before the birth of her child and by this instruction arabella profited so notably that her language made no glaring contrast with that of the civilized world and her mind seemed if anything more acute more circumspective than women's generally in the sphere to which she was now admitted sir spencer and lady ogram did not love her they made no pretence of doing so and it may be feared that the lives of both were shortened by chagrin and humiliation at the age of thirty or so quentin succeeded to the baronetcy in the same year his son died no other offspring had blessed or was to bless the romantic union behold arabella erst of camden town installed as mistress of a house in mayfair and reigning over rivenoak inevitably legends were rife about her where the exact truth was not known people believed worse her circle of society was but a narrow one but for two classes of well-dressed people the unscrupulous snobs and the cheerily indifferent her drawing-room would have been painfully bare some families knew her because sir quentin was one of the richest men in his county certain persons accepted her invitations because she was not exactly like other hostesses and could talk in rather an amusing way the years went on scandal lost its verdure lady ogram was accepted as a queer woman with a queer history a rather vulgar eccentric whose caprices and enterprises afforded agreeable matter for gossip no one had ever ventured to assail her post-matrimonial reputation she was fiercely virtuous and would hold no terms with any woman not wholly above reproach it had to be admitted that she bore herself with increasing dignity moreover that she showed a disposition to use her means and influence for what are called good ends towards the year eighteen seventy the name of lady ogram began to be mentioned with respect then her husband died sir quentin had doubtless fallen short of entire happiness before middle age he was a taciturn washed-out sort of man with a look of timid anxiety perchance he regretted the visions of his youth the dreams of glory and marble when he became master of rivenoak and gave up his london house arabella wished him to destroy all his sculpture 
that no evidence might remain of the relations which had at first existed between them no visible relic of the time which she refused to remember sir quentin pleaded against this condemnation and obtained a compromise the fine bust and a few other of his best things were to be transferred to rivenoak and there kept under lock and key often had the baronet felt that he would like to look at the achievements of his hopeful time but he never summoned courage to mount to the attic his years went by in a mouldering inactivity once or twice he escaped alone to the continent and wandered for weeks about the italian sculpture galleries living in the sunny ardent past he came back nerve-shaken and low in health his death was sudden failure of the heart's action said doctors in their indisputable phrase and lady ogram shut herself up for a time that she might not have the trouble of grieving before witnesses the baronet had behaved very generously to her in his last will and testament certain sums went to kinsfolk to charities to servants his land and the bulk of his personal estate became lady ogram's own she was a most capable and energetic woman of affairs by her counsel sir quentin had increased his wealth and doubtless it seemed to him that no one had so good a right as she to enjoy its possession the sacrifice he had made for her though he knew it a blight upon his life did but increase the power exercised over him by his arbitrary spouse but he never ceased to feel a certain pride in her pride in the beauty of her face and form pride in the mental and moral vigour which made her so striking an exception to the rule that low-born english girls cannot rise above their native condition arabella's family had given him no trouble holding it a duty to abandon them she never saw parents or brothers after her marriage and never spoke of them though violent of temper she had never made her husband suffer from this characteristic to be sure sir quentin was from the first submissive and rarely gave her occasion for displeasure over the baronet's grave in the little churchyard of shaw she raised a costly monument its sole inscription was the name of the deceased with the dates of his birth and death lady ogram knew not indeed what else to add fully another ten years elapsed before the widow's health showed any sign of failing it was whilst passing a winter in cornwall that she suffered a slight paralytic attack speedily in appearance overcome but the beginning of steady decline her intellectual activity had seemed to increase as time went on outgrowing various phases of orthodox religious zeal outgrowing an unreasoned conservatism in political and social views she took up all manner of novel causes and made rivenoak a place of pilgrimage for the apostles of revolution yet the few persons who enjoyed close acquaintance with her knew that at heart she still nourished the pride of her rank and that she had little if any genuine sympathy with democratic principles only a moral restlessness a perhaps half-conscious lack of adaptation to her circumstances accounted for the antinomianism which took hold upon her local politics found her commonly on the conservative side and as certain indiscreet inquirers found to their cost it was perilous to seek lady ogram's reasons for this course but there came at length a schism between her and the hollingford tories it dated from the initial stage of her great quarrel with their representative mr robb lady ogram who was on the lookout in these latter years for struggling merit 
or talent which she could assist interested herself in the son of a poor woman of shaw a boy who had won a scholarship at hollingford school and seemed full of promise being about sixteen the lad had a great desire to enter a bank and lady ogram put his case before the senior partner in the chief hollingford banking-house who was no other than mr robb himself thus recommended the boy soon had his wish he was admitted to a clerkship but less than six months proved him so unsuitable a member of the establishment that he received notice of dismissal not till after this step had been taken did lady ogram hear of it she was indignant at what seemed to her a lack of courtesy she made inquiries persuaded herself that her protege had been harshly dealt with and wrote a very pungent letter to the head of the firm mr robb did not himself reply and the grave arguments urged by his subordinate served nothing to mitigate lady ogram's wrath insult had been added to injury her ladyship straightway withdrew an account she kept at the bank and dispatched to the m p a second letter so forcible in its wording that it received no answer at all never half-hearted in her quarrels lady ogram made known to all her acquaintances in the neighbourhood the opinion she had of mr robb and was in no wise discouraged when it came to her ears that the banker m p spoke of taking legal proceedings against her it happened that mr robb about this time addressed an important meeting of his constituents his speech was not brilliant and lady ogram made great fun of the newspaper report he reminded her she said of a specially stupid organ-grinder grinding all out of time the vulgarest and most threadbare tunes henceforth applying the name of a character in dickens she spoke of hollingford's representative as rob the grinder which when mr rob heard of it as of course he did very soon by no means sweetened his disposition towards the termagant of rivenoak a phrase he was supposed to have himself invented i'll grind her remarked the honourable gentleman in the bosom of his family and before long he found his opportunity in the next parliamentary recess he again spoke at hollingford this time at a festal meeting of the conservative club where the gentility of town and district was well represented his subject was the british aristocracy its glories in the past its honours in the present and the services it would render in a future dark with revolutionary menace the only passage which had any particular meaning or to which any one listened ran pretty much thus ladies and gentlemen ha hum we pride ourselves on the fact that ha, our aristocracy is recruited from the choice representatives of the middle class hum the successful in every that is to say in all the respectable branches of activity ha see before them the possibility i would say the glorious possibility of taking a seat in that illustrious upper chamber which is the balance of our free constitution may the day never come ladies and gentlemen when ha the ranks of our nobility suffer an intrusion of the unworthy hmm and i would extend this remark to the order below that of peers to the hereditary dignity which often rewards hmm, distinguished merit may those simple titles so pleasant hmm, to our ears whether applied i say to man or woman ha hmm, hmm, ha never be degraded by ignoble bearers by the low-born ho by the tainted and repute ho ha in short by any of those unfit 
whether man or woman ha hum who like vile weeds are thrown up to the surface by the shall i say deluge of democracy every hearer saw the application of this and lady ogram had not long to wait before she read it in print her temper that day was not mild she had occasion to controvert a friend a conservative lady on some little point of fact in an innocent gossip and that lady never again turned her steps to rivenoak but worse was to come rarely had lady ogram any trouble with her domestics she chose them very carefully and kept them for a long time they feared her but respected her power of ruling the rarest gift in women of whatever rank now it befell that the maid in personal attendance upon her left to be married and in her engagement of a successor lady ogram perhaps because of her turbid state of mind just now was less circumspect than usual she did not ascertain for instance that the handmaid had a sister attached in like capacity to the person of mrs robb nor did she note certain indications of a temper far too closely resembling her own before many days had passed mistress and attendant found themselves on cool terms and from this to the extremity of warmth was a step as fatally easy as that from the sublime to the ridiculous lady ogram gave an order it was imperfectly obeyed lady ogram her eyes blazing with wrath demanded an explanation of this neglect met with inadequate excuses she thundered enlightened any ordinary domestic would have been terror-stricken but this handmaid echoed storm with storm she fronted the lady of rivenoak as no one had ever dared to do the baronet's widow losing all command of herself caught up the nearest missile a little ivory framed hand mirror and hurled it at her antagonist who was struck full on the forehead and staggered you shall pay for this you old hag shrieked the injured woman i'll pull you up before the hollingford magistrates and i'll tell them where you got your manners i know now that it's true what mrs robb told my sister that you began life as a saxon monosyllable on london streets some minutes later a servant sent to lady ogram's room by the retreating combatant found her mistress lying unconscious for a day or two the lady of rivenoak was thought to be near her end but the struggle prolonged itself hope was seen and in three months time the patient went about her garden and park in a bath chair doctors opined that she would never walk again yet before six months were out lady ogram was down in cornwall taking the air very much as of old but her aspect had greatly changed her body had shrunk her face had become that of an old old woman then it was that she renewed her falling locks and appeared all at once with the magnificent crown of auburn hair which was henceforth to astonish beholders more than ten years had now elapsed since that serious illness lady ogram's age was seventy-nine medical science declared her a marvel and prudently held it possible that she might live to ninety what to do with her great possessions had long been a harassing subject of thought with lady ogram she wished to use them for some praiseworthy purpose which at the same time would perpetuate her memory more than twenty years ago she had instructed her solicitor to set on foot an inquiry for surviving members of her own family the name was tomalin search had gone on with more or less persistence and tomalins had come to light but in no case could a clear connection be established with the genealogical tree which so far as Isabella had knowledge of it rooted in the person of john tomalin of hackney her grandfather by trade a cabinet-maker deceased somewhere about eighteen forty 
since her illness lady ogram had fallen into the habit of brooding over the days long gone by she revived the memory of her home in camden town of her life as a not ill-cared-for child of her experiences in a west end workroom her temptations multiplied as she grew to the age of independence her contempt of girls who went wrong these domestic quarrels and miseries which led to her breaking away and becoming an artist's model how remote it all was had she not lived through it in a prior existence with rebirth to the life of luxury and command which alone seemed natural to her all but sixty years had passed since she said good-bye for ever to camden town and for thirty years at least the greater part of her married life she had scarce turned a thought in that direction long ago her father and mother were dead she knew of it only from the solicitor mr kerchever who after the death of sir quentin gave her a full account of the baronet's pecuniary relations with the tomlin household no blackmailing had ever been practised the plumber and his wife were content with what they received arabella felt a satisfaction in remembering that of her own accord she had asked her husband to do something for them when she might very well have disregarded them altogether and the two brothers who were supposed to have left england had never been heard of again the failure to discover any one named tomalin whom she could regard as of her own blood was now a disappointment to lady ogram sometimes she even fretted about it mr kerchever had it in charge to renew the inquiry to use every possible means and spare no outlay the old woman yearned for kinsfolk as the younger sometimes do for offspring of their own the engagement of constance bride as resident secretary resulted no doubt from this craving in the old lady's mind for human affection perhaps she felt that she had behaved with less than justice to the girl's father moreover constance as a little child had greatly won her liking and in the young woman she perceived a capability and independence which strongly appealed to her thus far they had got on very well together and lady ogram began to think that she had found in constance what she had long been looking for one of her own sex equal to the burden of a great responsibility and actuated by motives pure enough to make her worthy of a high privilege had her girlhood fallen into brutal hands arabella's native savagery would doubtless have developed strange excesses in the life of a social outlaw the companionship of quentin ogram a mild idealist good-naturedly critical of the commonplace though it often wearied her and irritated her primitive interests was a civilizing influence the results of which continued to manifest themselves after the baronet's death on the aesthetic side arabella profited not at all to the beautiful she ever presented a hard insensibility and in later years she ceased even to affect pleasure in the things of nature or art which people generally admired her flowery and leafy drawing-room indicated no personal taste it came of a suggestion by her gardener when she converted to her own use the former smoking-room finding that people admired and thought it original she made the arrangement a permanence anxious only that the plants exhibited should be nicer and finer than those possessed by her neighbours on the other hand her moral life had from the first shown capacity of expansion it held at its service an intellect of no very fine quality indeed but acute and energetic in all practical affairs she was greatly superior to the average woman adding to woman's meticulous sense of interest and persistent diplomacy a breadth of view found only in exceptional males this faculty the circumstances of her life richly fostered and by anomaly advancing age enlarged 
instead of contracting the liberality of her spirit after fifty years told when ordinary mortals have long since given their measure in heart and brain lady ogram steadily advanced solitary possessor of wealth autocrat over a little world of her own instead of fossilizing in dull dignity she proved herself receptive of many influences with which the time was fraught she cast off beliefs or what she had held as such and adopted others she exchanged old prejudices for new forms of zeal above all she chose to be in touch with youth and aspiration rather than with disillusioned or retrospective age only when failing health shattered the way before her did she begin to lose that confident carriage of the mind which together with her profound materialism had made worry and regret and apprehension things unknown to her thus when old but by no means senile she learnt that disquiet of conscience so common in our day which has nothing to do with spiritual perceptiveness but comes of habitual concentration on everyday cares and woes on the life of the world as apart from that of the soul through sleepless nights lady ogram brooded over the contrast between her own exaltation and the hopeless level of the swinking multitude what should she do with her money the question perturbed her with a sense of responsibility which would have had no meaning for her in earlier years how could she best use the vast opportunity for good which lay to her hand endless were the projects she formed rejected took up again vast was the correspondence she held with all manner of representative people seeking for information accumulating reports lectures argumentative pamphlets theoretic volumes in mass altogether beyond her ability to cope with nowadays her secretary read and digested and summarized with tireless energy lady ogram had never cared much for reading she admired constance's quick intelligence and power of grappling with printed matter but that she had little faith in the future of her own sex she would have been tempted to say there is the coming woman miss bride's companionship was soon indispensable to her she had begun to dread the thought of being left alone with her multiplying solicitudes and uncertainties her great resource in these days was her savage hatred of mr robb and his family and of all in any way adhering to him whenever she fixed her mind on that all wider troubles fled into space and she was the natural woman of her prime once more since making the acquaintance of dyce lashmar she had thought of little but this invigorating theme at last she had found the man to stand against rob the grinder the man of hope a political and moral enthusiast who might sweep away the mass of rotten privilege and precedent encumbering the borough of hollingford she wrote to all her friends at hollingford and throughout the country making known that the ideal candidate in the liberal cause had at last been discovered and presently she sent out invitations to a dinner on a day a fortnight ahead which should assemble some dozen of her faithful to meet and hear the eloquent young philosopher excitement was not good for lady ogram's health the doctors agreed in prescribing tranquillity and she had so far taken their advice as to live of late in comparative retirement her observant companion noticed that the conversations with lashmar had been followed by signs of great fatigue an agitated manner a temper even more uncertain than usual and physical symptoms which constance had learnt to look for proved during the ensuing days that the invalid was threatened with another crisis acting on her own responsibility constance addressed a note to dr baldwin who presently as if making a casual call dropped in to see his patient the doctor knew how to comport himself with lady ogram he began by remarking cheerfully how well she looked 
and asking whether she had settled the details of her summer holiday dull and rather sullen of air lady ogram replied with insignificant brevities then as the doctor chatted on about local matters her interest gradually awoke anything more been done about the new hospital she asked oh there are promises but nothing really important it'll cost far more money than there seems any chance as yet of getting we ought to buy that bit of land i told you about on burgess hill the price is high but it's a perfect situation and i'm afraid it'll be going to the builders if something isn't soon done lady ogram would have purchased the site in question long since for it was her purpose to act decisively in this matter of the much-needed hospital but it happened that the unspeakable rob was the man who had first drawn public attention to the suitability of burgess hill and lady ogram was little inclined to follow where rob had led she hoped to find a yet better site and by undertaking at once both purchase of land and construction of the building with a liberal endowment added to leave in the lurch all philanthropic rivals for years she had possessed plans and pictures of the lady ogram hospital she cared for no enterprise however laudable in which she could only be a sharer the initiative must be hers and hers the glory discreetly dr baldwin worked round to the subject of his patient's health he hoped she was committing no imprudence in the way of excessive mental exertion it seemed to him perhaps he was mistaken that talk agitated her more than usual quiet and repose quiet and repose that afternoon lady ogram was obliged to lie down a necessity she always disliked in the daytime and for two or three days she kept her room constance now and then read to her but persuaded her to speak as little as possible of exciting subjects she saw no one but this companion of late she had been in the habit of fixing her look upon constance as though much occupied with thoughts concerning her when she felt able to move about again they sat together one morning on the terrace before the house and lady ogram after a long inspection of her companion's countenance asked suddenly do you often hear from your father not often once in two months perhaps i suppose you are not what is called a good daughter constance found the remark rather embarrassing for it hit a truth of which she had been uneasily aware father and i have not much in common she replied i respect him and i hope he isn't quite without some such feeling for me but we go such different ways does he believe what he pretends to he has never made any pretences at all lady ogram that's his character and i try to think that it's mine too well well exclaimed the old lady i suppose you're not going to quarrel with me because i ask a simple question you have a touchy temper you know if i had had a temper like yours i should have very few friends at my age constance averted her eyes and said gravely i try to correct myself by your example you might do worse by the by if you won't snap my nose off i suppose your father isn't very well to do he's very poor such men always are lady ogram lay back amused she had no affection for constance yet felt more kindly disposed to her than to any other girl or woman she knew consciously or not she had come to feel a likeness between her own mind and that of the clergyman's daughter she interpreted constance's thoughts by her own indeed there was a certain resemblance both mental and moral in one regard it showed itself strikingly the contempt for their own sex which was natural to both as a mere consequence of her birth arabella tomalin had despised and distrusted womanhood the sentiment is all but universal in low-born girls advancing in civilization she retained this instinct and confirmed the habit of mind by results of her experience having always sought for meanness 
and incapacity in the female world she naturally had found a great deal of it by another way constance bride had arrived at very much the same results she made no friends among women and desired none lady ogram and she agreed in their disdain for all woman movements what progress they aimed at concerned the race at large with merely a slighting glance towards the special circumstances of its sex-burdened moiety moreover the time-worn woman perceived in her young associate a personal ambition which she read by the light of her own past she divined in constance a hunger for things at once substantial and brilliant a smouldering revolt against poverty and dependence not for the first time did she remark and study such a disposition the symptoms were very well known to lady ogram but never before had she met it in combination with genuine ability and other characteristics which she held in esteem let us talk about our coming man were her next words they talked of dice lashmar End of chapter eight